The summer of alternative financing continues with looking to customers to raise money to buy a business. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. All right, everyone. Uh, all summer long, I'm doing this series on alternative financing. It's basically ways that you can raise money for a as large a down payment as possible to then try to get a, a seller to to carry the balance is basically how can we do these acquisition deals without using the bank okay and it was suggested by Neil over on Twitter and if you want to join me on Twitter my handle is dbarnettmoncton if you just look up David Barnett small business I'm sure you'll find me um, and so today we're going to be talking about getting money from customers and and how you might be able to do that when you're acquiring a business and. For a lot of these alternatives, you know, um, I've learned these over the course of time, um, and many of them were presented to me in a way that was like, well, here's an amazing story of this one person who pulled off this amazing thing. And then I'll hear other people basically telling the same stories, but they'll be like, this is how you can do it, and this is how everyone can do it, and this is an easy way you can do it. And most of these alternatives, not simple and easy especially the one I'm going to be talking about today, especially for the acquisition of an existing business. Although some of these things might be easier if you were like trying to raise money starting a business. And so we'll touch on that a little bit more as I get as I get through some of these concepts. So what are we talking about? We're talking about selling privilege or or pre-selling to people so that you can raise money today to help you get underway or help you buy a business. Uh, and then you owe something just like any loan, but in this case, you're gonna owe something to your customers, okay? So let's look at a classic example of this. So classic example number one, uh, the gym. So gym sells annual memberships. They collect the money today. Let's say that they sell a gym membership for $120 for one year, okay? So when that money comes in, the gym now owes that person 12 months of training. So here's the, here's the problem with, you know, doing pre-sales in that way is that you can end up with a very big bank account and think that you're doing well. And in reality, that money needs to be spread out over the 12 months that you're going to provide service to your customers. And so you can get into trouble because you can spend all the money before you've delivered all the service. And I'm going to expand on that risk as we move through today's presentation. So, so that's one thing is pre-sales selling in advance. And an example of this would also be a lot of the crowdfunding sites that exist today, where people will talk about, you know, a product or a service they're going to do, and they'll get people to pay in advance. Again, you're getting the money up front. It's a loan from your customers you now owe them the product or service. If you spend the money on something else, like buying equipment or providing a down payment to a business seller, then you still owe the service or product to the customer. And if there's a high cost of delivering that product or service, 
you're going to have to find a different way to cover that cost when the customer comes calling looking for that, that benefit that they've signed up for. Another example, this one's a little bit of a twist. If you're afraid of delivering the service or product because of that cost associated with it, then maybe instead of pre-selling a product or service, you can simply sell privilege that allows somebody to do something else. So a great example of this would be your Costco membership, right? So Costco sells a membership. What do you get for that membership? Well, you get the privilege of shopping at Costco, nothing more, right? So when you show up at Costco and you buy something, you're now providing even more money that's going to cover Costco's cost of whatever that object was. And so this can take many forms. It can take the form of membership fees. Back in the day, video, video rental places used to charge a membership fee. Uh, sometimes gyms will charge you a joiner fee, and then they'll charge you a monthly fee for the actual service. That would be another example of selling privilege. I know of a, a person, a, a manager I used to work for uh, in one of my jobs back in the day. He somehow ended up uh, watching an advertisement or seeing an advertisement for a new hotel that was being opened up in New York City. And they were having this promotion where during their opening phase, if any guest came and stayed with them at the hotel, that they would become a founding guest. And the price they paid during that founding guest period would be the price they could pay forever to, to go and stay at that hotel. So he had no immediate interest in going to New York City, but he was so blown away by the opportunity to lock in this special price, like 130 bucks a night or something like that. This was years ago that he and his girlfriend made a special trip to New York just to go to that hotel. Right. And so what did the hotel achieve? Well, they managed to sell a lot of rooms. Part of the reason why people were choosing to go there, even though they might've had another option, maybe a better deal is they wanted that privilege to be able to lock in this guaranteed rate going forward. Now, I don't know if that would hold, if the place ever changed hands, renovated, changed names, et cetera, who knows? But it's an example of creating an opportunity for somebody to buy privilege and in that way, raise money. Now, here's the big problem. And this is why I say that this is easier to do if you're starting a business versus buying one, because if you're going to be buying a business, the whole thing is supposed to be confidential, right? And so how do you go around offering someone a benefit or a perk to provide you money for a business that you're going to buy if you're supposed to be keeping that a secret, right? How do you do that? Well, you could decide to employ this strategy as part of a deferred down payment, which I talked about in the first video of this series. So you offer the seller a certain down payment, and then six months later, another big lump sum of money, and you could have planned a strategy to try to create some kind of membership bonus crowdfunding pre-sale event that happens from closing day once you do become the owner until that that you know deferred down payment is due and you could gamble on the fact that your strategy is going to work and you're going to raise that money to be able to afford to make the deferred down payment that's one way you could do it kind of risky the other way you could do it is by having the seller agree to removing the confidentiality. So why would a seller do that? Well, in certain circumstances, they might agree depending on who you are, right? So let me give you an example. Um, let's say you are a chef in the kitchen of a big downtown hotel. And I'm thinking in particular of a big downtown hotel here where I live. 
and there's a chef there and the hotel actually markets the chef. So they use him in a, in a certain way as a celebrity in their own marketing. And so the chef has an Instagram, the, the chef has all kinds of online presence um, and the hotel makes a big deal out of this chef. He's won awards, et cetera. So if that chef, he's already got his own following on social media, he's already got his own renown, his own degree of celebrity. If he were to make a deal to leave the hotel and buy a restaurant in town, let's say another fine dining restaurant, then the seller might see how the chef's celebrity related to the transaction could actually help them both. And here's how. Um, number one, they come up with a deal. This is what the deal is going to be. Number two, the selling chef could then make it a public deal that he's going to be retiring and that he's handing over the reins to this other well-known chef talking about local celebrities. Okay. Uh, this could cause a rush of business into the restaurant leading up to the sale because a lot of the patrons might think, well, Hey, I'm going to go and eat there while the current owner is still there because we really liked all these different dishes or whatnot. In that period of time, the selling chef now is benefiting from the transaction, which is absolutely the opposite of what might normally happen and why we normally have confidentiality in place for these transactions. So in this case, you know, why do we have confidentiality in place? Customers are fearful of change. The employees are fearful, et cetera. Having the right buyer removes some of those things because the employees are going to have known of this person go, oh yeah, I know that person. He's famous from the hotel restaurant. Uh, they're going to know that the, you know, the leadership is going to be good. Uh, the person has a proven track record, et cetera. The public is going to know that the restaurant is going to carry on and be, you know, a good place to eat because they will have heard of that owner before the chef as well. So I'm talking about really specific circumstances here that you could pull this off. So, not only will the seller benefit from people wanting to come and be a part of this retirement exit, the buying person can then do some kind of pre-sale, privilege sale, et cetera, around his takeover of the restaurant. So what could you do? Well, you could say, you know, because I'm taking over, here is a great promotion I'm doing. If you want to buy, you know, $500 worth of gift cards to the restaurant that will be honored after I take over, then you can buy them for $400 today, for example. So what, what are you doing? You're doing a pre-sale at a discount, creating an incentive for somebody to buy that gift card, right? All of that, those gift cards are being sold by the buyer. All of that money is going to the buyer, helping to build the pool of money that the buyer can use to then acquire the business, okay? Now, when it comes time for those people to redeem those gift cards, that money's gone, which means the expense of serving those customers is going to have to be swallowed in some other way. In a restaurant, the food cost, the direct cost is quite low. And so the other patrons coming in and buying their meals are probably going to create enough cash flow to cover the cost of the food that is going to be incurred when that individual comes in with their gift card. But if everyone shows up on the first week and you're just accepting gift cards and not money, well, then you're going to be short of cash flow. And this is where some planning has to be thought, has to be put into the mix. So instead of offering a $500 gift card at a discount, 
Maybe you'd offer something even more spectacular with conditions like uh, for $2,000, you can have a $200 per month dining credit over the first year on the owner. What does that achieve? Number one, it raises even more money. Number two, it spreads out the repayment period for those people so that each month you've got another $200 worth of that credit that can be redeemed in the restaurant. And so it, it smooths out that obligation going forward over time. If, if you are like contemplating something like this, you really need to have an adequate cash flow forecast. And I would highly recommend you head over to bizplanschool.com. That's B-I-Z planschool.com or bizplanschool.com if you're in Canada or the UK, or the UK I think they say Z too. Um, anyway, so the cash flow forecast is going to become super important because you're basically committing um, to give something of, of a certain value to someone down the road, but you're taking the money today and using it for something else, right? Now, if you're in a high cost of goods sold type of business, so let's say that you're selling something where the cost of delivering that product or service is 70 or 80% of the selling price, this strategy could bury you very quickly because you're going to basically pre-sell, take all that money, use it for something. And then when the customer comes calling, you're going to have to find, you know, like, if your cost of goods sold was 75 cents, for example, 75%, then when someone comes looking for to, to spend a $100 credit that you sold them, you're going to have to come up with 75 bucks in order to satisfy that customer. Well, basically, you're going to take the gross profit from three other customers that you served to cover off the expense of serving the fourth person who paid you in advance. You could easily end up underwater. And that's why Costco sells memberships and not, you know, a pre-sale of a credit because um, their cost of goods sold would be very high. They're in the, in the grocery business, basically, right? And so these are some of the thoughts that you have to put into, into place. Um, just looking at my notes. So I've covered the dangers. I've covered who can pull it off. If you are an outsider in an industry and there's confidentiality around uh, the transaction, really, I think the only way that you're going to be able to take advantage of something like this would be to do it as a deferred uh, down payment method where you've got to get control of the business first, and then you can introduce some kind of program or plan that will change the terms of sales with the customers uh, either to get them onto a subscription or get them into a membership, some kind of advantage program where you can raise some of that money. And I think there's a certain riskiness to committing a large amount of a deferred down payment. Again, who can pull this off really well? It's people who don't need to. Because if you said, here's my plan, and you needed the plan to work and it didn't work, then you'd have to figure out what you're going to do when the deferred down payment is due and you don't have the money right? What happens then? Danger? Default? You think you can work out a new plan with the seller at that time? So now you've bought the business, they've agreed to a big seller note and a deferred down payment. Now you're telling them you can't come up with the money. It's not a very good way to start a relationship like that. Um, or if you've already got the money someplace else, then you just pay it anyway. So again, 
the people that can often make the best use of these programs are, are these plans, these systems, these ideas, these thoughts are people who don't actually need them. There are people who have other resources like businesses that are already going or other things they can borrow against. They're just trying to get the advantages of additional leverage or cash flow uh, without tapping into those other resources, but they know they've got the safety net of those other resources behind them. Anyway, hope you're enjoying it, guys. Um, again, if you have any stories about some of this stuff that you want to share, put them down in the notes. A lot of people read the comments and good or bad, please share your experiences. Uh, I want to share the good and the bad and have actual transparency about how these things work or don't uh, on this channel. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time, eh? Hope you're having a good summer. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me, with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com. Use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.